0: This is The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. We can the world. We can the world. Now, here's Sue Freeze.
1: Thank you so much for joining The Sue Freeze Show today, and I'm very, very excited to be with you. Look, we're in the Halloween season, you know, and what is Halloween sweet season and what's it all about? And I can tell you from a personal standpoint, when I was a kid, and I know those of you that are my age or maybe even a little younger, uh, you, you know, I had a pillowcase, not just a basket, not just a little plastic bag, but I had a pillowcase. And I have to tell you, I made the rounds. I, It was so much fun, and we went from house to house to house to house and got all the candy, and then we came home and dumped it out, and my mom would look through it. And pick out what she liked, really. I think that's what she was doing. But anyway, anyway, so it was a really fun time, okay? And as I grew a little older and then I became a parent and I became a Christian, uh, things changed for me. And I don't know really when the change happened or whatnot, but... I've never liked scary movies. I've never been a scary movie fan, even the birds. I just saw a whole bunch of birds fly the other day. I was standing at a stoplight, and there was all these crows, and it just brought back this horror of a memory of watching that movie. I, I know some of you know what I'm talking about, and if you haven't, I'm not even going to recommend it. It's just – it scared me and scarred me for life. But the, wor- the, the movie Birds was so scary. And, you know, birds are of nature and everything. But there was a whole bunch of them, and they did a lot of things. And it was just horrible, and I'll never forget it. It kind of scarred me for life. I mean, every time I see birds, I don't think of Pleasant, I think, especially crows. I think of this movie. Anyway, so what is that saying? It's saying that, you know, this – we think we're just entertaining ourselves, I think. When we watch a horror movie or whatnot, but I've had nightmares just by watching something on TV. And I know that parents, we have children. And with everything that's gone on right now, I just wonder if we're doing ourselves a favor by watching scary things now. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened to us, whether we're children or adults, during this time, this last year and a half, almost two years now. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things emotionally. That have happened to us that maybe we're not even aware to the extent of what has happened. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you don't. But the point is, is that there's a lot of emotional, um, emotional strain on us. Like what is real? What is not? What is right? What is wrong? There's a lot of these things going on where we're just questioning anything and everything. And where's our faith? Where's our trust? Where's our hope? So there is a an article that was published on September 29th. Anyway, it's talking about knots, closes, Halloween attraction, fear, VR, after complaints from mental health advocates. In thinking about this, you know, what is, what is this all about? And it's talking about um, our emotional health. And where are we with our emotional health? And how do you even put a... Um, a trigger on that or a significant like how do you know how do you know how you're really feeling and my thought on this is when I was growing up things were fun Halloween was a fun time and even during that time I never was an evil character I never had an evil character and I always got scared if there was a ghost or there was even clowns scare me clowns are kind of really scary to me But also, you know, all of the evil things, I never wanted to choose that I wanted to be the fairy or the butterfly or the cat, okay, a black cat, that's about the worst I ever went was a black cat. But there's a lot of people that like that evil, scary, bloody, gory, knife in the head, you know, kind of stuff. And that just always kind of bothered me. And I know everybody has their own take on all of this. And it's just for fun. But I think that there's some impact that happens with everything that we do, everything we see. And so I guard that. And as parents, I'm I'm just suggesting to you to be thinking about that as a parent. When I became a mother, I didn't want my children to be a character that I didn't think was good for them to be. I didn't want to think of them as something that was bad. I wanted them to think of something that was good. So Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, the fairy – Uh, anything like that was good, you know, but I didn't want them to be an evil character because I don't want to think of my children as something evil. And I don't want them to think of themselves even for a moment, let alone a night of being something evil. So, I mean, am I crazy? I don't think so, but maybe you think I am and that's okay. You have a right to your opinion, but parents, can we just think about this? And with everything that's been going on, everything that we've had to do and and our children have had to just sort through things. And with their little wisdom, the little tiny wisdom they have, you know, they're trying to assess and come up with a belief system that works for them. And in this time, I mean, I think that we are their safety net and we need to protect them. That's our job is to protect them from whatever's going on. So Christian Halloween, understand the origins, okay? So if I was going to talk about this, I'm, I'm going to actually go into this a little bit because I think it's good for us to be educated. And uh, what was Halloween all about? And I did some research on this a long time ago when I was a parent because I wanted to know where did Halloween come from? I think it's important for us to kind of know that. And it has to do with the harvest, and, and we'll go into that deeper. Personal standpoint, when I became a Christian and then I became a parent – Uh, I wanted my my kids to enjoy what was good about it, but I didn't want them to um, be dealing with the evil part of it, because to me. Halloween is Satan's day and night. I just think it's where you know people can dress up, or maybe they're not, and and they could be really evil people, but yet we wouldn't know the difference because we think it's a costume. So I think that we just need to be aware of this, these things that are going on. But it's his night. It's his night where he can just make the move, and no one's going to know any different. So I have a lit cross on my house, and I make sure that that cross is lit on Halloween night. I just and I pray when I'm walking around with my children, I'm praying for my neighborhood. I'm praying for my neighborhood for for blessings, not curses, for no evil to be able to penetrate anything or anyone. And I just want the blessings of the Lord um, throughout wherever I go, whatever I'm thinking about. I just want God. I want Jesus. I don't want the devil. The devil has no place. He's you know, he's he's defeated in Jesus name. Spit on him, stomp on him, whatever you want to do we need to be we need to gird ourselves up. We don't need to. But I I suggest it's a good idea to gird ourselves up. Somebody suggested to me, you know, Sue, you got to quit telling people what to do or what they need to do. And I'm like, I get caught up in that. And I will just say that uh, I think it's in our best interest to be paying attention to what's going on around us. And as we do that, are we guarding up ourselves and protecting ourselves putting the full armor of God on? And how are we protecting our children? Parents, Your job is to protect your children. There's no question about that, I hope, that your job is to protect them. And how you walk, what you say, what you do affects them, both positively and negatively. Would you agree? I hope so, because it's the truth. So there were times when I'd turn that cross light on and I would stay home. I wasn't involved in what was going on out there. Um, and I just, you know, when, when I had children come, I would say, you know, be a blessing or thank you so much for coming and God bless you as they were walking away with their candy or whatever it is I handed out that day, that night. The other thing is I can remember when we gathered the candy and there was no concern about a razor blade in an apple. There was no concern about poison or a syringe being stuck into candy. I, I don't mean to scare you parents, but this is reality we're in. It totally is. And so, I, you know, when my kids got a little older and I got – it got more into this, they would have to dump out all their candy. If there was paper wrapping that was – anyway – opened up at all, then they got thrown in the trash. There was no way I was going to let my child. And if there was a question, you might laugh at this, but I would check it out first. Now, I joked about it because, oh, yeah, I'll take that one. I'm just going to check it. Make sure it's safe for you, child. Uh, You know, and really, I just love the Reese's peanut butter cups or whatever. But in reality, I was really checking it out. And I want to make sure if something's going to happen, I'd rather it happen to me than happen to my children. And parents, I hope we're all that way. I hope we all are safeguarding. We're protecting. We're, we're guarding our children because we're called to do that. You were put into a place of protection for our children. Husbands, you're the leader of the household. You know that, right? That you're accountable. You're held as a Christian man. You're held accountable for your family. And you will have to answer to our Heavenly Father when you reach heaven to say, you know, uh, should you be allowed in? Well, if you've reached that far, then I guess you have. But, you know, maybe not. That's a question we'll be able to answer when we get there. But husbands, fathers, just know that your responsibility is you are the headship of your family. And you need to make sure that you are taking that responsibility, you know, completely with strength and with Christ and the love of Christ. So, Christian Halloween, understand the origins. Christian Halloween. Halloween is undoubtedly more misunderstood than any other holiday event. It is hocus-pocus, superstition, or truly Christian-focused. It can appear to be nothing more than a pagan event dreamed up by some deviant opportunist and or candy costume manufacturer, which they do make money off of it, right? Um, It was actually intended to be a righteous opportunity proposed in history, passed in commemorate old saints. We encourage you to carefully examine the history of Halloween. Halloween, which comes from the word All Hallows Eve, is tied directly to All Saints Day, celebrated on November 1st of each year to commemorate the old saints who have passed on. These saints were heroes and martyrs of the Christian faith. My mother's birthday was November 1st. I did not know this. That's really interesting for me. Mom in heaven, love you. Christian Halloween, the pros and cons. We understand that much of Halloween has manipulated and tricked by the secular pagan world, and much of what happens on Halloween is far from spiritual. In fact, some of the Halloween traditions have pagan origins. That's what I've been talking about. The Bible doesn't speak directly about Halloween, but some biblical principles apply. One thing is clear, all pagan practices are to be avoided. Witchcraft... Occult practices, sorcery, etc., are strictly forbidden in the Bible. Exodus 22:18, in case you want to look it up, Acts 8, 9 through24 and Acts 16 or 19. It is obvious that a small child dressing up as a princess or a cowboy isn't involving themselves with witchcraft. What is a biblical stance on Halloween? Parents, the decision is up to you. If you decide Halloween is something fun for your children, make sure they are kept far away from the evil aspects of Halloween. When believers participate in anything, even Halloween, their attitudes, dress, and behavior should glorify Christ. Philippians 1.27. This is what I was talking about. Christian Halloween. Take advantage. Okay, this is good. This is good. Halloween can be a hands on learning opportunity about God's control over Satan and the fallen angels. God keeps them held powerless according to his will. Christian Halloween and All Saints' Day come together in purposeful unity as the one protects and covers the other. It is time for the gospel to devour the gals. Consider trying this Christian Halloween idea, handing out Christian Halloween poems and using fun Christian tracts with the kids who trick or treat in your neighborhood. There were way too many children in my neighborhood to do that. I mean, I would, that would have been so many. Um, but there is something we can do. I had a dentist who passed out toothbrushes, and I thought that was a great idea. Great marketing tool too, right? Find stimulating and fun ways to reach out to kids and adults in your community who might not normally be contacted throughout the year. That's a great opportunity, isn't it, to get the word out, to show love, the love of Christ. Encourage your church to hold a party on Halloween night. Many parents would rather their children be inside and away from danger. Use this as an opportunity to tell these families about Jesus and about your church. That is what happened with my family and uh, with our church is that we had a fun time. It was a fun zone out in the parking lot. They had skateboarding before the, the lawyers got involved and the liability became too great. But they had skateboarding. They had all kinds of fun booths, you know, throwing of the beanie. Now it would be Oh, what do you call that toss? Corn row? Cornhole. <laughs> Corn row. Cornhole. Yeah, you can have games like that. and um, it was just fun for for my kids. They loved it. They loved it, and they still got candy. and I knew the candy was coming from a safe place, so it was much easier for me to just calm down and not be worried about what they had in their basket or their pillowcase. Um, you know, it's really a great time for that. Pastor Rick Warren and wife Kay Warren helped to shut down California Halloween attraction. The Fear VR, a temporary Halloween attraction in a popular Southern California theme park, has been terminated after an email campaign that was joined by megachurch pastor Rick Warren and his wife Kay. The Orange County registered reportedly Wednesday. I'm hoping this is current. I think it is. Knott's Berry Farm of Buena Park announced Tuesday it would shut down the attraction after mental health advocates raised concerns. The Register reported the park had previously agreed to a name change as a concession to critics. The Warrens who lost a son to suicide in April 2013 were among the objectors to the original name for the attraction Fear VR 5150, a reference to a section of the state's welfare and constitutions code, which authorizes the involuntary confinement of a person suspected of having a mental disorder who's endangering themselves or others, the register reported. This is from 2016, so it's not current. But the point is really clear if you think about it. The Warrens, Rick Warren, I don't know if you know this, but he lost a son to suicide. He talks about the whole situation, and, you know, he was going strong, loving the Lord, and he still loves the Lord and serves the Lord, and and uh, him and his wife are, are very... I I love the way he preaches and I love the way he takes the word and just makes it so alive in his messages to where you come away from learning from him and and you know that it's from the Lord, number one, but also that it can be life changing. And he does it in such a way that, you know, it's it's just so easy to listen to and to actually follow that it makes it uh, wonderful as far as I'm concerned. But in, I, I guess it was in 2016, the company insists that the attraction was never meant to make light of challenges of the mentally ill, but rather to scare the wits out of paying customers with the tale of Katie, a demon-possessed girl. Okay, so so I know a lot of people that have, I mean, a lot of amusement parks that have, uh, you know, the haunted house, the haunted mansion. and And these things, I think more and more we need to be aware of what it's doing to us. Even, you know, how many of us have gone to the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland? And when you're going out of that, I just, I haven't been there in years. But I still can remember, it's, it's, it's still imprinted in my mind, when you're in that seat and you're going to the very end of the, of the thing. And in the mirror, it shows either a small, tall guy or a, a wider guy, and they're sitting right next to you. And it's like a ghost. And I, I'm like, whoa, you know, when I first saw that, it, like, freaked me out. And then, you know, you realize that's what's happening, so then you're okay. And so, I'm like, well, who am I getting today, you know, when I'm riding through? Am I getting the tall, thin one? Am I getting the bigger one? You know, who am I getting? But I don't feel fear from it because I experienced it. But the first time, I have to tell you, it did set me back just a little bit. Now, I'm an adult, okay, and I, I went here as an adult. But as a child, I'm wondering if it has any impact negatively. And, you know, are ghosts real? There's a lot of questions about things like this. And I just think that just guard, protect your children as much as you can. You're listening to The Sue Free Show, and I'm so happy and thankful that you're here. And I would love to... Um, I don't know, get to know you, connect with you. How would we do that? You go to Sue fries, spelled spelt like fries, one word dot com. Go there and let me know what's going on. Let me know if you have any prayer requests, anything like that, so that I can connect with you and we can get to know each other. And, you know, if I can help you, I want to. I really do. If I can't, then I'll let you know I can't, or I will direct you in a, in a, a direction if there is something that, that could be of help, if I can do that. So thank you so much for that. The pumpkin prayer. The pumpkin prayer is pretty simple. It's best done during the pumpkin carving as you cut out the top, the eyes, the nose, and the mouth of the pumpkin. But you can also do the pumpkin prayer at the end of your pumpkin carving. Now, this is really interesting because... My daughter, she's 36 years old, and I've talked about her before, Tiana. And she has two children now. They are my two lovely granddaughters. Uh, one is Montana Jade, and the other one is Dakota Brave. And one is, uh, let's see, what is she now? Um, probably 19 months. And my little granddaughter Dakota is two months, I think. They're growing so fast. I can't believe this year is almost done. Can you think about it? We're, we're in October Think about it. We're ten months into the year. I, I mean, it feels like it just went swoosh by. My daughter texts me and she says, "Hey, mom, we're going to go to the pumpkin patch. Do you want to go?" And I said, "Are you kidding?" Now, back backtrack a little bit. Underwood Pumpkin Patch in Moore Park, and it's been there for years and years and years. Now, my son is thirty-nine. I've been going to this pumpkin patch with my children since Tyson was about two. So, think about that. Th- Thirty-seven years of going to this pumpkin patch—that's a long time, right? So my daughter now has her two grand, her, her two daughters, and my two granddaughters, and what is she asking? Mom, do you want to go to the pumpkin patch? So that family tradition of every year going to the pumpkin patch and doing the hayride and picking out our pumpkin and, you know, and it's gotten so much nicer now. Oh, my gosh, they've got a petting zoo and they've got all this extra stuff and funds and games and different ways of them making money to keep the thing going, but also they've got vegetables and um, all the pumpkins you could possibly want, you know, how many pumpkins do we need but it's really great to go there and experience just farming you know it's farming it's like oh wow pumpkin just doesn't appear in the grocery store in a box and you just pick it up and take it home and you know it's nice to know that the kids know where things come from and what it looks like like what does a pumpkin look like when it grows you know a lot of kids don't even know that so it's wonderful but the real thing is is that my daughter it was just such a blessing to me to have her text me and say do you want to go to the pumpkin patch i was a photographer which was really fun but i got to experience it again you know, years and years later, and it was so awesome. And so, parents, you know, pick out some traditions that are good for you, and and um, you know, see how that how it works. So the pumpkin patch was the first one. The second one is my children. Even now, we have a date night where we get together and we pump we carve pumpkins. Even now. Even before the children, we would carve pumpkins, even when they were 30 years old, because it was a time to get together and just be creative and, and just be do something fun. So if you're doing this with just a few kids at home, you can easily say parts of the pumpkin prayer as you carve. You can also read the scripture references, talk about... What they mean and ask your kids, especially the older ones, how they see this working out in their lives. Now, this is really good because I didn't have this back then. I have this now. So now I can do it with my grandkids. I didn't do it with my kids. And how wonderful that we can do this together now. So it's really fun. So the pumpkin prayer. Dear God, open my mind so I can learn about you. Know the Lord. He is God. Psalm 103. Take all my sin and forgive the wrong that I do. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's 1 John 1, 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So those are the prayers. And we do this like when we're doing the eyes. We'd say, open my eyes to your love I will see. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. Psalm 118. So we talk about the eyes. You know, and what kind of eyes are we going to make? Are we going to make them slanted like like cat eyes? Are we going to make them big eyes? Or You know, what are we going to do with the eyes? Are we going to have one eye? Are we going to wink eye? What are we going to do with the eyes? And then we go from there and it's fun. The whole process is really fun. But you can bring God and scripture into the process. And then we're teaching our children or our grandchildren, for that matter, or great, great grandchildren about the Lord through carving a pumpkin. So how fun is that? It's best to learn when we're having fun. So we're going to be at the end of this. So I'm hoping you're going to have a great pumpkin time and carving time and just be guarding up your children and protecting them from the evil one. Be a blessing to someone each and every day. We'll be back with more of the Sioux Free Show right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season New customers get $50 off any initial treatment. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E. now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E. cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly.
0: E. cola, 877-332-BUGS, termitelady.com. Revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, learning to breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life learning to breathe by author sue freeze available on amazon or log on to sue that's sue f-r-i-e-s.com sue you're listening to the sue freeze show the pursuit of passion purpose and connection and here again is sue freeze
1: Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control, for sponsoring this show. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, I want to, want to, want to talk to you. I want to talk to you because I've been doing this a long time. I've been advertising for 40 years. And I do... I do know a little bit about advertising and if you wanted and you're not sure, you know, you're on the fence and you're not sure if this is a good medium for you to get the word out about what you have to offer people, then maybe this is the the thing that would work for you. And the only way we're going to know is by stepping out and just checking it out. Now, how do you do that? You just contact me, go to Sue free, spelt like fries, one word.com. And we will talk about where you uh, service, you know, what area you service. And because uh, this show goes from San Diego all the way up to Paso Robles, way up in central California. If you have a business that only deals with San Diego or deals with Ventura or whatnot, this show can help because we're syndicated through Salem Communications and other stations, for that matter. And so, if you have a desire to check this out, I just want you to know about that, so that um, we can work together and make that happen. And then, once you find out if this works for you or not, then I have a rep that can actually help you, and you can grow it. Okay, I'm only on my show, and you, you know, you get it at a discount. But then, from there, if if you find that it works for you, which I think it will. Then what we'll do is we'll just, um, I'll connect you with a um, the Salem rep here. His name's Craig. And what we'll do is we'll just make it to where you can work with him and you can have your advertising just grow and hopefully your customer base will grow and the word will get out about what you have to offer. Anyway, so with all that being said, I was talking on part one about carving of pumpkins and how I have a tradition with my kids and our family. And now she, my daughter is is making it go to the next generation, her children. And it's really wonderful to be part of a tradition that was that began with with me and our family. And now we're just continuing it on to the next next family in the next tradition in the next uh, group of of children. And uh, I, I love it. And Halloween has always been, well, not always, but since I've been a Christian, it's always been kind of a negative thing for me. So I've done what I could to make it a positive thing. And, um, you know, there's an evil side of Halloween, and I don't like that side. But there's also a positive side. So if we can bring Christ into anything and everything, then it's a good thing, right? So I was talking about praying while you're carving the pumpkin. And so we were talking about open my eyes to so your love, I will see. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. That's Psalm 119. 18. And so when you are carving out the eyes with your children or grandchildren, you can talk about that scripture. I'm sorry for times I've turned up my nose at what you've given me. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 100. So when you're doing the nose, you can talk about that. Open my ears so your word I will hear. Not always do pumpkins have ears, but sometimes they do. You can carve out the ears. Incline your ear and come to me. So there are scriptures for every part of the face. And when you do this, you can, you can um, share that with your children or grandchildren, and that's a good thing. So the, the one that's really big is the mouth, okay? We, we spend a lot of time on the mouth. So it says, open my mouth to tell others you're near. Isn't that great? I shall declare the works of the Lord, Psalm one eighteen seventeen. Let your light shine in all I say and do. Amen. Let your light shine before others so they may glorify your father in heaven. We're called to be the light in the darkness. We are called to be the light. So when you're putting that candle or that non-fire lit thing, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can talk about being the light in the darkness. And it's really a good time to be able to explain that to your children or grandchildren. So. In part one, I was talking about Halloween and how it's, it's, um, it started out fun when I was little. And then as time went on, it, it became, and I became a Christian, it, it, it had this other feel to it that I didn't enjoy. And so my thought is, as parents, you need to guard your children and you need to protect them from the evil one, okay? And so just be aware of the character that you want your children to emulate or be like. And I would hope you'd want them to be an angel, not the devil, Right. My daughter. So funny, because later on in life, like when she was married, she goes, Mom, I'm kind of mad at you. And I said, why? She goes, because you always called me an angel. And I thought I was. That's funny, isn't it? But not really, because she is an angel. She is my angel. And I said, well, honey, you can be mad at me if you want. But I have a feeling she's going to be calling her kids angels, too. She calls them brave and she calls them Jade, uh, you know, Montana, and Dakota. But um, brave. That's great. So you're going to call your child, who's a baby, two months old right now, brave. Uh, You know, it's not because she's brave right now, but we're going to speak, you know, into them to be what we think they are required to be or what we want them to be. And yes, we want our children to be brave, careful, but brave. So redeeming Halloween. How should Christians approach Halloween? Luke Gilkerson, I hope I'm not hurting his name, 180 comments. This post contains affiliate links, the evening of Halloween approaches. Down the street, a mother dresses her kids for trick or treat. Her daughter is dressed like a busty pirate wench. (laughs) Her son looks like a twisted cross between something from Pan's Labyrinth and Hellraiser. Their lawn decorations are nothing short of celebration of death. This family also regularly attends church and calls Jesus Lord. Next door, a mother cloisters her, ch- her kids inside for the evening. She avoids the use of harvest decorations in order to not associate with the day. Her children neither receive nor hand out candy. Every year, she reminds her children about the demonic elements of Halloween and warns them not to return any happy Halloween greetings. She sternly rebukes any fellow Christian who would attend a so-called Halloween replacement party on October 31st. Her family also faithfully goes to church and calls Jesus Lord. Huh. <clears throat> Two opposite ends of the spectrum, obviously. Receive, reject, redeem. When dealing with anything in human culture, Christians have three primary choices. Right? We can receive it, we can reject it, or we can redeem it. Receive. There are things in culture that are parts of God's common mercies to all people. These are things Christian can freely receive. Paul and Silas could walk The same Roman roads and sail in the Roman ships alongside any pagan without any stain on their consciences. Today, I can appreciate the electric lights in my home just like my neighbor and not feel guilty that the power company isn't owned by Christian people. I can buy my produce from the farmer's market without the concern that the farmers are pagans. Reject. There are some things in culture that are inherently sinful and cannot be transformed to be used for the Lord's purposes. True. Paul might have eaten pagan meat sold in the marketplace, but he would not attend a pagan temple and drink the cup of demons. 1 Corinthians ten twenty and 22. Today, a building that once was a strip club can be bought and turned into some reputable business. But a strip club can never become a Christian strip club. <laughs> True. The very essence of this kind of business enterprise furthers sinful motives. And this must be rejected by Christians completely redeem. There are other elements of culture that are often used for sinful purposes, but Christians can mine these elements for truths that can be celebrated, reclaimed and redeemed for God's purposes. It is a way we can redeem the time in evil days Ephesians 5:16. During his speech in Athens, one of the most polytheistic Cities in the world, Paul made use of the writings of pagan poets and prophets and even made use of the pagan altar as a visual aid, Acts 17, 22 through 31. In order to point to the gospel, Paul was redeeming, taking back, truths latent in their culture, customs, and using them for God's glory. You know what's interesting about this is in talking about the rejection is that there's been a couple of buildings that I purchased that were uh, they were, um, they had buzzers on each door and they were said that they were like a massage, but I think they were more than that. And I bought those and now it's Ecola, which is interesting. I also bought a uh, building that was a church in Santa Maria. And one side of it had, you know, all of the uh, pews and everything in it. And it is now an Ecola office. And when I bought that, that church took the money that they got from that building and they bought a bigger piece of property and bought a bigger church. And so how wonderful is that? And now, you know, um, I've had some um, hand fortune tellers and whatnot. You know, there was one time in Simi Valley where I had an empty leased building that was empty for a very long time. And it was really hard because I had a couple people that were not of – that, that I did not want to rent to, but it was getting really hard because I wasn't getting any money, but I had a mortgage to pay. But I, I held to my ground because I really felt strong in my beliefs and I had to reject and I didn't want to help with what they were doing. So I said no, even though I really needed the money, but I didn't need the money so bad that I was going to do something that I felt was going to be contradictory to what I stand for and what God wants from me. And in that, I got blessed. I got so blessed by turning that down. I mean, they were going to give me three months in advance, cash up front. Whew! It was tough, but I had to stay true to myself, and I did. And I was blessed in that. And I even forgot about that until I was just reading this about the strip club, and I just remembered just now about that whole situation and how now I'm so blessed with my property, and and now I know why because I was faithful. In that situation, so that's a side note, but I thought it was really great, and Ecola's been very blessed, and I'm very fortunate, and thank you, God, for all of that. A very, very brief history of Halloween. The name Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve. I talked about this on the first half. Uh, The earliest known celebration of the Feast of All Martyrs was in Antioch in mid-4th century, falling on the first Sunday after the Feast of Pentecost, which is still the day of the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates All Saints' Day. Similar festivals were celebrated in other locations on different days. Over time, the celebration started to embrace not just martyrs, but all departed saints, celebrating Jesus' victory over death by remembering the faithful saints who had gone before them. Now, I've been around on this earth over 60 years. I don't hear anything about this in everyday life. I hear about other things, but I don't hear about Halloween being something good. I I don't. Do you? I just found it interesting um, when I was doing some research about this. I was like, "Wow, really? Oh, wow, that's really interesting." I knew it had to do with the harvest, and they had the scarecrow and everything because they wanted to get all of the the bad things out to you know, and they would scare it away so that they could have a good harvest. Now that I understand, that makes total sense to me. But I didn't hear anything from before that about this whole thing. So that's very interesting. Redeeming Halloween in our modern times, some caveats. For some Christians, the notion of redeeming Halloween will sound ridiculous. How can something so ripe with demonic symbolism be redeemed? Perhaps this is just one of those things that fits into the reject category. Is there anything positive to redeem? Well, we already know there is, and it's up to us to do it. You know, we have to come up with how can we make better? How can we make good on something that could be evil? Undoubtedly, some will read this and remind me about Halloween's pagan roots, telling me about this and that and whatever. Uh, Caveat number one, it's important not to treat this as a cut and dry issue. The mere fact that modern Halloween practices are echoes of pagan traditions does not, therefore, mean Halloween as a cultural tradition is unredeemable. Remember, to redeem something in our culture means to admit it has been used for evil but to reclaim the truth within it. I like that, utilizing it for God's purposes. Not all Halloween activities are redeemable, but I believe many are. Do you? Caveat number two, remember that many Halloween traditions are a far cry from their ancient or medieval counterparts. As far as redeeming Halloween goes, there are some elements of Halloween that, in my opinion, have already been ripped away from paganism and redeemed as something wholesome. Let's face it, The connection between ancient druids dressing as goals and my son dressed as Bob, the tomato, is tenuous (laughs) at best. Caveat number three. It is also important to note that this issue is a matter of conscience. Reading Romans 14.5 and 1 Corinthians 8.10, it seems clear to me that Halloween is a disputable matter. And it will probably always be so. While I'm firm in my convictions on the matter, I recognize others' consciences simply won't allow any associations with Halloween, and this ought to be respected. Caveat number four, we should never become prideful about our approach on the subject. While we should feel free to critique ourselves and discuss these matters, we should remember that pridefully looking down on other Christians for differing opinions is just as demonic as a vampire. With this in mind, here are some ideas about how October 31st can be redeemed for the glory of God. Are you ready? Because this is what it was all building up to. Hope I have time to get through this. What does redeeming Halloween look like? Redeeming elements of Halloween does not mean participating in worldly or immoral activities in order to witness. Duh. To redeem something is culture means to find the artifacts, objects, activities, and customs that have been misused for worldly purposes and taking them back for the sake of spreading goodness and the gospel to redeem something is to admit That it has been used for evil and to use it for godliness instead. With that in mind, here's some suggestions toward redeeming Halloween you can try. Number one, show love to your neighbor. Oh, wow. How about that? Every day of the year, even October 31st, is a great day to obey the second greatest commandment to love our neighbor. For many communities, Halloween is a, a time of widespread celebration. Homes open up to strangers, bonfires, parties, and neighborhood gatherings are commonplace. For Christians desiring to be involved in the lives of their neighbors, Neighbors, Halloween is a natural time to connect with others. It serves as a perfect time to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans twelve twenty one two. Unearth the good roots of Halloween. Halloween, for all its for all its depictions of evil, is rooted in many good traditions. In many areas, Halloween still has all of the markings of a harvest festival, and it is right and good to thank God for a good harvest. So true. Choose to use Halloween as a time to celebrate God's provision. It is significant that Halloween coincides with Reformation Day, the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 Thesis to the church door at Wittenberg. Obviously, this day would have more of a celebratory feel for Protestants, not so much for Catholics. Luther actually chose All Saints' Eve very purposefully because it was a perfect day to prote- protest the abuse of indulgences. In this way, Halloween serves as a reminder of the poor medieval theology from which church has lar- largely escaped. Celebrate with a real All Saints party. Take the theme of Hebrews 12.1 and run with it. Celebrate the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Read the stories of faithful martyrs to your kids and remember those who've come before you. Make use of holy horror. Some trick-or-treat traditions, notably vandalism and needless pranks, are nothing more than excuses for destructive behavior. Moreover, decorating one's body or home in such a way that celebrates demonic creatures is totally out of step with one who worships Jesus Christ. A lit cross is a great alternative (laughs) to that. And I felt so good about doing that. It's making a statement and reminding people that this is what we need to be reminded of. Instead, choose to redeem the horror of Halloween, the portrayal of good and evil, as well as their consequences are two sides of the truth. Uncovering the real nature of evil is part of what it means to dwell on what is good. Children need to know that evil is not just an abstraction. Did you hear that, parents? There is there is a personal evil in the world who is bent on killing, stealing, and destroying I hope you understand that as truth. I hope you understand that's real. It's not just words on a page. It's truth. And we need to guard against these things. Every scary demonic encounter and story in the Bible makes this clear. As Halloween approaches, our environment becomes a living parable. As a reminder that real demons are just as real and even scarier than the trick-or-treaters. Help your children see how classical archetypes of evil, monsters, dragons, vampires, werewolves, ghosts, show the true nature of sin and evil. Of course, many horror films have degenerated into immoral exaltation of sex, violence, and death. But this is an abuse of a genre, not a good use of it. So parents, with all that being said, what what are you going to take away? What's a takeaway in this? We we really need to stand guard and we need to be the example. We need to show our children, you know, evil is real. There is evil in this world, and if we just ignore it, it doesn't mean it goes away. We have to understand that the evil one is really there and that we have to guard against it. And it's in our words. It's in what we hear, it's what we say. You know, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Because we're just accumulation of who we stand around. Who's, who's, who's investing in us? And are we guarding that? I hope that you are uh, watching out for that. Okay, I'm going to read this. And uh, I'm just now looking this up. I didn't even know what was today. And I'm going to read this. Come to me with your defenses down ready to be blessed and filled with my presence. This is from the Lord. The Lord is speaking to you right now, okay? Relax and feel the relief of being totally open and authentic with me. You have nothing to hide and nothing to disclose because I know everything about you already. You can have no other relationship like this one. Take time to savor its richness, basking in my golden light. One of the worst consequences of the fall is the elaborate barrier's People erect between themselves and others. vacades abound in the world, even in my body, the church. Sometimes church is the last place where people feel free to be themselves. That's so true and so sad, isn't it? You don't need to put on a mask. You really don't. I did that for years, and I have to tell you, it did not serve me or others by doing that. They cover up with Sunday clothes and Sunday smiles. They feel relief when they leave because of the strain of false fellowship. The best antidote to this artificial atmosphere is practicing my presence at church. Let your primary focus be communing with me, worshiping me, glorifying me. Then you will be able to smile as at others with my joy and love them with my love. This is the Lord talking to you. I'm hoping you're hearing it. Open your ears, ask the Lord to just reveal to you what he really wants you to feel, what he wants you to hear, favor for sure. And, you know, if there's any change, search me and know me, oh God, if there's any evil way, you know, pluck it out, show me it. That's Psalm 139, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because I always want him to do that, even when it hurts, because sometimes the truth really does bother us because it's like, oh my gosh, really? That's me? I don't want to be that. I got to change that. And with the Lord's help, we can. Um, scripture, First John 1, 5, 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, we're called to be the light, right? We can't do that on our own. But we're called to be the light. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Who needs rest? Hmm. I certainly do. How about you? Finally, brothers. Here's one. This is so good. You should memorize this one. I need to memorize Philippians four eight. Some of you already know it. That's great that you do. Finally, brothers, this is what we need to focus on. So if you focus on anything other than this, you to—you ch- don't need to. But a good idea would be to change it to this. So are you ready? I have 30 seconds. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. Philippians 4.8. So are we doing that? Are we focused on what is true? Do we even know what is true? Are we focusing on what is right? Do we know what is right? What is pure? What is lovely and admirable? Be a blessing to someone each and every day. Love thy neighbor as thyself and put God first and your life will be better. Will it be perfect? Absolutely not. We have life lessons to learn. God bless you. Bye-bye.